0: How many, of you, how many of you want to change your life? How many have been serving God for 30 years or more? Let me see your hands. 30 years or more. Do you know that you can grow? You haven't tapped out the, the ability with God? Come on, amen. How many of you been serving God 10 years or more? Let me see your hands. Do you know you can grow? There's more to know. How many of you have been serving God 5 years or more? Let me see your hands. There's more to know, amen. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving God. There's more to know. How many of you believe that? You know, uh, P.T. Foresight said that if we would spend every waking moment of our day for all our life studying God, we would just get to the beach of the seashore of the vast knowledge of God. How many of you know God is very, very deep? Amen? And we'll never know everything that there is to know about God. But today we're going to talk about how the Bible can change your life. And and we've been kind of ending and talking about this, but... We're going to keep on this series, and the Apostle Paul believed that the Bible had the ability to change your life. How many of you would agree with him? Father, I pray that you just give me an unction today to teach and preach your word. I pray that you give everyone hearing your word an unction to hear your word today. God, I pray stir a hunger, stir a thirst for the word of God in us, God. Break apathy and complacency. God, heal us, Lord, of of any spiritual illness that we have that doesn't want the Bible, doesn't desire the Bible. Lord, give us a fresh appetite today for the word of God, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, you stay right where you are, but let me read the verse Acts 20 and 32. Paul says, now I commit to you to, to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Now according to Paul, the word of God's grace can really affect your life. Paul says the word, God's word of grace can build you up and can give you a spiritual inheritance. God's word can give you peace in the storm. How many of you know that? God's word can give you wisdom to make wise decisions. God's word can give you freedom from Satan's bondages and strongholds. God's Word can bring you physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. God's Word can comfort you when you're grieving or you're sad. Amen? God's Word can encourage you when you're down. God's Word has the ability to build you up and to give you an inheritance. How many of you know there is a spiritual inheritance for us to tap into? Our, our, Our daddy died and left us an inheritance. A spiritual inheritance. So there's no reason for us to live in poverty. There's no reason for us to live in want. We need to tap into the inheritance that Jesus left us when he died. Amen? And so we need to tap into that inheritance so we can live the life that God wants us to live. Now, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, you should be there. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, in this passage of Scripture, Paul gives us God's purpose for the Bible. In in verse 17, he says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How? Now, the... The Scripture is saying that the Bible, the purpose of the Bible is basically to change your life, to change my life. Amen? So somebody said the Bible wasn't given to us for, uh, just for information's sake, but for transformation's sake. Amen? The Bible wasn't given to us just to increase our knowledge, but to change our life. Amen? That's the great news. And so this verse says, how does the Bible change your life? Well, first of all, the Bible changes your character. For it says in verse 17 that the man of God may be perfect. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't make any mistakes. That's not what it means. Perfect meaning more mature, are complete of character. And so, you know, the Bible will make you more godly if you will apply it into your life. Amen? And then, and then secondly, the Bible also equips you for a successful living. Verse 17 says... The man of God will be perfect, thoroughly furnished. Thoroughly furnished, meaning all the resources necessary for a blessed life. You know the picture there of thoroughly furnished is like a boat in a harbor. You know, like picture a boat in a harbor that has no compass, has no no kind of resources, no no. Like if it's a sailboat, doesn't have a sail. If it's a paddleboat, doesn't have the paddles. If it's a motorboat, doesn't have a motor. It's just sitting in the harbor without the resources. But then you furnish that boat with all the resources it needs. And then you let it get out of the harbor. And that's what the Bible's talking about here. Whenever you sail in life, God's Word will put all the resources in your boat so you can cross the seas of life. Amen? So you can cross the storms of life. So you can get through the gales of life. The Bible also equips you not only for successful living, but finally the Bible also... Uh, changes your conduct. In verse 17, it says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, unto all good works, meaning the Bible, will totally change your actions and your behavior and your conduct if you apply your life to it. Amen? Is anybody in here today? Do y'all believe the Bible? How many of you believe the Bible can change your life? Amen. So the Bible has the amazing ability to completely change you, equip you, and train you. D.L. Moody said this, the Bible was not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. Amen. You know, I told you a fishing story the other day. You remember that? There was a man that liked to fish, and he would always go out. He was a great fisherman, and he would always catch fish. And, and he knew this family, not too, not too far from the coast, that they were pretty poor. And sometimes they would, they would do without. They would go hungry. And so he would catch fish, and he would always bring his fish to this man's house. And he'd say, listen, we went fishing, got some fish, here's some fish. And so he would give them his fish. And so the family was so excited and happy about that. But you know what happened? He got revelation one day. He said, you know, it would be better if I could... Show them where to fish. Because I'm giving them fish for one meal. But if I show them where to fish. Then they can feed themselves. Amen. Now this is what we're trying to do ladies and gentlemen. It's not just good enough to come to church and get a fish. You can be hungry all your life. You got to know where the fishing hole is. Can I tell you where the fishing hole is? Here's the fishing hole. Amen. Are y'all with me? Here's the fishing hole right here. And so don't wait to get a fish on Sunday morning, get a fish throughout the week, amen? Go fishing a lot, amen? Go fishing a lot and get a lot of fish. Now, how many of you know, just because somebody shows you their fishing hole doesn't mean you're going to catch fish? Come on, somebody needs to say an amen right there, amen. You know, back in June, uh, I went fishing in Cocodry and I had a friend with me and his son and we were, we were fishing and... Brother Francis had showed me a fishing hole called the Salt Mine in Cocodree. And it's normally a good place to go, a fishing hole of sorts. And you go there to catch fish. But I don't know if this ever happened to you. But I went fishing. Me and my friend, we were fishing. And, uh, and we're throwing it out there every once in a while. We catch a little hardhead catfish that's sticky, you know, and you just, you know, that's not good to eat. You throw it out. Every once in a while, a little trout, you know. We're after the trout. And so we're watching this boat over there, and this guy's just like, you know, whistling and just throwing his line out there and, and just pulling in trout after trout after trout. And me, and my friend, we're about to walk on water to go find out what, you know, we're trying to find out what's this guy using? What's, you know, try holding your mouth like this, you know? Maybe we ought to turn the boat around and fish on the right side of the boat. You know, what is it we're doing wrong? And you know that guy, God bless him, after he caught his limit, he motored over to us and he said, hey, Y'all want some advice? And we said, yes, we do. He said, I got some live shrimp here I'd be glad to give y'all if y'all want to use it. He said, we'd be glad to use it. We didn't have live shrimp. And he said, look, if you'll just motor right there in that corner right where you saw me, just use your troll motor, to go quietly because they got some stuff there. But you put your back to the soft mine, You fish this way, you're going to catch some trout. I got my limit here three days in a row. We said, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And we caught some trout. Because this guy didn't just show us the fishing hole. He showed us how to catch fish. Just because you have a Bible don't mean you're going to catch fish. Amen? You got to learn the Bible. Amen? And so God's purpose for the Bible is to change our life. But how does the Bible change your life? So we're going to spend a little time just talking about how the Bible changes your life. 2 Timothy 3.16 explains in more detail how the Bible can change your life. In verse 16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. In this one verse of Scripture, the Bible tells us and uncovers four ways that the Bible can change your life. The first way that the Bible can change your life is by teaching you God's truth. The verse 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for doctrine or for teaching. One way the Bible changes our life is by teaching truth about relationships, truth about our faith, truth about prayer and giving and fasting, and truth about yourself, truth about others, and most importantly, it'll give you truth about God. And how many of you know truth will set you free? The more truth we learn, the more our life can be changed. You know, somebody said all our negative behavior is based on a lie that we believe. And behind every one of our sins is a lie that we've received. And so if we can change what we believe, we can change our behavior. Amen? How many of you believe that? Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks, so is he. Now, you know, Adam and Eve believe a lie that disobeying God was not going to cost them anything. But they found out differently. Had they listened to truth, had they listened to God's word, they wouldn't have lost their purpose and their destiny. Amen? But they believed the lie. Now, Jesus said, you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free, will make you free. How many of you know that truth sets you free? Truth exposes the lies that we believe. You heard the story about the little elephant. Whenever the little elephant is born, they put a a rope around one of his legs and tie it and stake it down. And and so the little elephant, you know, he he wants to go over here and the rope holds him and he says, oh, I can't go. And so he learns to just go in that circle. And the elephant is growing. He's eating a lot and he's growing. And he's getting heavier and heavier. And so all of a sudden, this huge animal, this huge creation, is being held by a little stake and a little rope, and the elephant thinks he can't move because he's been held captive by the programming of his mind that this rope holds him down. If ever he got set free from his wrong thinking, there's no way that little rope or that stake would hold him down. He'd come busting through the tent, and he'd go downtown. Amen? Amen? And some of us, we've been held captive by wrong messages we've received, by experiences in life. And the truth of God will cut the rope of that hindrance in our life and set us free to be the people of God that God has called us to be. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Amen? The Bible says don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible will wash your mind, take out the bad thinking, and put some good thinking in there. Amen? To change our life, we have to change our wrong mindsets with the truth of God's Word. So God, the Bible will change our life. How does the Bible change our life? It gives us truth that offsets the lies that hold us staked down to some ungodly thought that we receive somewhere. Amen? And so that's why it's more important to read the Bible than the National Enquirer. Amen. More important than reading Oprah's magazine. Dr. Fields inside. Dr. Oz. The Bible is full of truth that will set you free. Amen. Can I get a better amen? The second way the Bible changes your life is by exposing wrong behavior. Verse 16, all scriptures inspired by God, profitable for teaching and for reproof. Reproof means to expose or bring to light wrong behavior. Reproof means to correct someone when they make a mistake. How many of you have ever been reproved by your mama and your daddy? The Bible can change your life by exposing wrong behavior. How many of you know your parents expose wrong behavior? You know? Proverbs three thirty three 33, so listen, the Lord will curse the evil person's house, but he will bless the home of the, those who do right. Did you catch what that verse said? The Lord will curse the evil person's house, but he will bless the home of those who do right. Evil behavior brings a curse on your house. Hello? How many of you believe that? No, God's a loving God. Evil behavior will bring curse on your house. But you know what? But upright living brings a blessing. Amen? Now listen, how many of you would agree that it's worth ridding your life of evil? Yes, why? So I ain't got that curse on my house. So I got the blessing of God on my house. Amen? And so, you know, but the problem is some of us don't even know we're doing evil. We don't know. We've been blinded to our evil ways. And I want you to hold your place right there, but it's worth thumbing back over to Acts, Acts chapter 8. There's a man in the Bible named Simon who is a great example of someone who had been blinded by his evil ways. Now, you know, it's a great day whenever we realize that doing ungodly things is not to our benefit. It's to our detriment. Amen? How many of you believe that? You know what? The better I can stay out of the woods spiritually, the better off I am. Amen? The more my ship is going to leave the harbor. Amen? And Simon was blinded by some evil ways in his life. And I'm going to take the time to read this passage. In verse 14 of Acts 8, it says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent for Peter and John. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a great passage of Scripture right there to preach on the filling of the Holy Spirit, that there's more than just getting filled with the Spirit when you get saved. There's another experience, amen? And you can see it right here. Verse 18 says, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too," he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Wow. Now, Simon had wickedness in his heart. He was being held captive by bitter jealousy, but he didn't know it. He didn't know it. Now, I want to point out to the fact that this is an important point here, that Simon was not a non-believer. He was a Christian. He was saved. The Bible says in Acts 8.13, Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he began to follow Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs of great miracles Philip performed. So this guy had, had received the gospel, and he had been water baptized. And now he's trying to buy this gift of laying hands from people. So Simon was a believer that became blinded by his evil ways. And he needed someone or something to bring to light this wrong behavior, this evil behavior. And isn't it true that sometimes we're the last ones to know that we got a wrong in our life? And listen, the word of the Lord came to Simon and pointed out his evil and his wicked ways. And, and you know, that's what the Bible does. It exposes evil and wickedness in our life. Remember, the sword of the Spirit has the ability to, to separate our, the motive of why we do stuff. And the mirror of the Word of God has the ability to show you stuff in your life. And you know the thing about it? I know today that many people, they don't want to be told what to do. They will not listen to anybody's advice. But can I encourage you to listen to the advice of the Bible? Yeah, amen. Listen, take... The advice and the counsel of the Bible. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to whoever you don't want to listen to. But, you know, get over your chip and get some counsel in your life. Let the Bible begin to instruct you. It'll change your life. Amen? So Paul Paul brings correction here. He needed someone... Uh, Simon needed someone to show him the foe. You know, Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. In another verse in that same Psalm 119, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, one of the functions and the jobs of the Bible is to reveal evil and wickedness in our life. The third way the Bible changes your life is by showing you the right path. And so in verse 16, it says, All scriptures inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for for reproof, and for correction. Correction means setting right or restoring someone to an upright or right state. It means to get you back on the right path. And so not only will the Bible show you when you're off the path, you're on the wrong path, Thank God the Bible will show you how to get on the right path. Amen? When the apostle Paul came to Simon, he didn't just tell Simon what he was doing wrong. He told him what to do to get back right. And this is what he said in verse 22. Paul said, repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. That's the solution to the problem. You know what Paul was trying to do? He's trying to get Simon back on the right path. How many of you know if you stay on the path, you're going to make more headway than if you go through the woods? You're liable to go through the woods and a big old tarantula gets you, fall on your face and bite you. Or some, you know, vine trip you up and fall down on the ground and there's a serpent right there ready to pounce you. It's better to stay on the path. Amen. And so that's what the scripture, it, Paul said, repent of your wickedness and ask God to forgive you. This is how the word changes us. First, it shows us, it shows us the right path we are to take, teaching us the truth. And then it shows us when we get off track, convicting us of our evil ways. But then thirdly, it puts us back on the right path, correcting us and show us where to go. Amen? So the, the whole job of the Bible is, is to make sure that we stay on the highway of holiness and blessing. Amen? How many of you are, are convinced that it's better to live uprightly than not? You know, let me give you a personal example how the Bible can change your life. I was thinking about how, how can I just, you know, illustrate this, this truth here of, of 2 Timothy 3.16. When I worked in Allfield, I worked for Baker Hughes. And I quit this company that I worked for to go to work for Baker so I could have a better schedule so I could be more involved in church. And, uh, and I was scared to quit my job because I'd been there a long time. I was making a good salary and I was scared. And God told me he didn't give me a spirit of scared to go ahead and quit. And so, you know, I quit the job and I went to work right down the road. I had to pass in the front of my old job every day to get there. And whenever I got there, everything they told me it was going to be was not... And my supervisor was the harshest, most angry supervisor you could ever have in your life. I mean, it was. You know, I was ready to work. I was willing to work. But the way he told me what to do, I didn't like. Come on. How many of y'all can feel me right here? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? He barked orders. You know, roof. It's like, man, I'm glad to do whatever he asked me to do. But can you just like be polite? But he wasn't in the polite. And you know what happened? Something rose up in me and I started having a bad attitude. You know, the Kajan, may started coming out. I wasn't being spirit-led. I was being fleshly-led. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so when he told me what to do, I started returning evil for evil. I started barking back. You know know what I'm saying? Come on. Are you all with me? Don't act too godly out there. Don't leave me hanging. Say, yeah, Todd, I know. I'm with you. I understand. Well, you know, I was reading the Bible one day, and I came across this scripture. And I'm going to share it with you. Romans 13, 1. Let every soul be in subjection to the higher authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are ordained by God. Therefore, who, he who resists authority, withstands the ordinance of God, and those who withstand will receive to themselves judgment. Well, the Bible revealed to me that my supervisor was placed there by God in my life. And that I was not to resist his authority, because as long as I was resisting his authority, I was ultimately resisting God's authority. Yeah. So I had four hundred reasons why this scripture didn't apply to my circumstance. But he didn't let me off the hook. And then I came across this scripture in Ephesians, Ephesians six, five bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. With good will, doing as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Now, God used the Bible to change me. First, He gave me the truth I needed to know. My supervisor was God-ordained. And then He, then he showed me where I was getting off track uh, and convicted me of my rebellious attitude towards my supervisor. And then he showed me how to get back on the right track, and he said, you know, you need to just change your attitude and start just doing what he tells you to do and not resisting him. And God reminded me that he would reward me for doing that. Amen? What highly motivated me to do what the Bible tells us, and listen, this is an important truth. The Bible never asks us to do anything because he's just, God's wanting to torment us. Like He's trying to make our life miserable. Are y'all with me out there? God only tells us what to do because He loves us and He wants us to have a better life. Amen? He's not trying to rob us of joy. He's trying to help us have more joy. More happiness. Amen? But you know what motivated me was this verse. Romans 13, 2. Therefore, he who resists the authority which stands the arts of God and those who withstand will receive to themselves judgment. Oh. Verse 7 of Ephesians 6. With goodwill doing services to the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Yes. My motivation was to avoid the discipline of God. God was going to deal with me if I didn't get my attitude right, and he was going to bless me if I got my attitude right. Are you all hearing me out there? That's the motivation right there. Amen. So the Bible, listen, the Bible showed me the track, but I got off track, and the Bible showed me I was off track, showed me how to get back on track, and it showed me why it's good to get on the track. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. My boss's attitude never changed. Come on. It never did change. But mine did. And you know what God did? He promoted me, delivered me from that job, and allowed me to go in the ministry. Yes! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! I never was so happy to turn in some keys before in my life. Yes, God! Amen! But you know what else? Brother Francis invited Final Exit to come here and whenever we went from the old auditorium to the new auditorium and we had Final Exit in the old auditorium and we had these crowds of people that came and one day I was out there just greeting people in line and lo and behold... Yes, you got it. My supervisor was in line. Yes. And I got to talking to him. He was already saved. He had gotten born again through the process. And I was just so grateful that I didn't become a stumbling block. Because I could have easily showed him what Christianity is what not supposed to be. Amen. Amen. But the point, you followed me. The Bible will change your life, brothers and sisters. The Bible will change your life. So if we will just attend to the Bible, finally, the final way the Bible changes your life is by teaching you how to stay on the right path. And that's what it says in verse 17, Scriptures inspired, uh, verse 16, inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction for training in righteousness. Righteousness means to train you to walk on the right path. It also means to teach you how To walk right with God. So the Bible will teach you how to walk with God. When you walk with God, it's the best place to live your life. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, and 1 says, Blessed are those, blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Remember the purpose of the Bible? Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How does the Bible change your life? It changes your character. It equips you for successful living. It changes your conduct. It furnishes you. It puts everything in your boat of life that you're going to need for the journey whenever you leave the port. The Bible has the ability to change you, equip you, and to train you to live for God and to walk with God. The Bible wants to help us. And it's unfortunate that it's like we leave and go hunting in the woods and don't bring a compass with us. Or we leave the port to go out on the seas where in a few days we're not going to be able to see which way. You know, it's amazing when you go out in in the bay and you get a mile or so out and you look back at the bank, it all looks solid, like there's no canal. And it's like, where's the canal? I think it's this way, let's try it. And you just head and you can't tell them that you come up on it. A compass is incredible. A compass will say, go that way. And if you go that way, you're going to end up in the canal, in the harbor of safety. The Bible is like our compass for life. If we follow it, it'll take us out of the rough seas and bring us in the harbor of safety. But what is the key to the Bible changing our life? What is the key? The key to the Bible changing our life is application. It's application. The key, application means doing what the Bible says. You see, they got a lot of people that know the Bible, but they don't obey the Bible and it hardens their heart and they become Bible-crusted. And some people that are Bible believers that know the Bible backwards and forwards, they are the most crusty, harsh, critical, judgmental people in God's green earth. Because they're not just doing what it says. So it's not. You know the Bible says that knowledge will puff you up. Make you prideful. Give you a spiritual arrogance. Looking down on other people. So we need to apply the Bible. Knowledge without application brings judgment. That's what James said in 4.17. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do. And doesn't do it sins. And how many of you know sin brings judgment? Wages of sin is death. If we know to do good and we don't do it, it's sin. Knowledge without, with application brings blessing. Knowledge without application brings judgment. Knowledge with application brings blessing. John 13, 17 says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That's the key. Say, do them. Amen. Can you say that with me? Do them. Yes, do them. God always blesses those who make application of his word by obediently following his instructions. See, some people know that immorality is wrong in God's sight. They just continue to live immoral lives. Judgment. The people that change that behavior, blessing. Are y'all with me out there? How many of y'all agree with that? Help me. Some people might think I'm telling them a lie. Y'all believe that's true? Amen. Yes. And so listen. I want to close with a story that Jesus told about two different people. One who made application of the Bible and one who didn't. He said it like this. Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floods, waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Verse 26, But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the flood come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So Jesus tells the story about two different people. that built two different houses on two different foundations. One was on sand, one was on rock. They both endured a storm. One's life fell apart. One's life held through the storm. The difference, they both heard the teachings. One obeyed it, one didn't. Can I tell you something? There's a high price for not making application of the Word of God in your life. But there's a huge blessing When you make application of the word of God to your life. There's a whole lot to apply. But don't get discouraged by the whole lot. Just look for a little something. Amen. Look for one little tidbit of truth that you can learn and you can grow and you can begin applying to your life. Add that that principle to your life and God is going to start laying a foundation for you. And whenever you go through the hurricanes and the tornadoes and the floods and the high winds and all that life brings, you're going to be all right. You're going to make it through. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So he see, saints, the key is make application. So we can't read the Bible for information. We need to read the Bible. Lord, what do I need to do? Amen. Show me something. I need to change, God. Speak to me. Your servant is willing to hear. Are you with me? So look, that's, that's you know, I heard somebody say that, you know, there's different ways you can read the Bible. And it's kind of like going to L.A., You know, you could go to Los Angeles from Lafayette by flying in a plane. And if you do that, you're going to see some sights going to L.A. in the air. But you know what? If you want to to see more, don't fly. Use a car. And if you use a car, you're going to see a whole lot more than if you flew to L.A. But then if you want more, just take your time and start walking to L.A., you're going to be well acquainted with the terrain between here and L.A. if you just walk to L.A., amen? You can fly through the Bible in a plane, or you could drive fastly through the Bible with a car, But I suggest you walk slowly through the Bible and you're going to find out some truth that can set you free, turn your life around, put you on the path of blessing, get you out of the woods of curses, and and just cause you to just want to bless the Lord. Amen. Are you all with me here today? Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer? Amen. The Bible is the greatest book ever written. Amen. And so, come on, we need to put our brakes on and say, wait, hold on one minute. You know, and I've just been thinking about this. I'm saying, Lord, you know, I found that I can read the Bible every day for, and just nothing speak. I mean, I'm reading the Bible, and I know I'm doing good. I'm training my will to obey the Scripture, and I know it's not bad. I know truth is going in. But you know what? I'm looking for a rhema. I'm looking for a fresh word from heaven. Lord. I don't want to just, you know, know that what I'm doing is right. Lord, show me evil in my life. Show me the wrong in my life. God, let me tweak a little bit more of this junk out of me, God. Because, Lord, I know you bless those that live uprightly, that walk uprightly. God, help me, change me. Are you all with me today? How many of you want to be changed? How many of you want to grow? Lord, we need a fresh fire from heaven, a passion for your word today. A hunger for your word. God, stir our hearts today, Lord. Father God, we know that this is the compass for our life. It's the road map, Lord. It's the owner's manual to living a blessed life. God, help us today. God, give us grace today. Lord Jesus, I pray, open up our eyes today. Open up, take the scales off our spiritual eyes today, God. Lord Jesus, we want to grow, we want to mature, we want to know more. God, I pray for your, for your anointing to come. I want you to pray with me and ask God to just break something over us that's just hindering us and keep us, amen. Would you agree with me? Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Come on, I need you to say with a little bit more enthusiasm, a little bit more passion, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for setting me free, for liberating us. Give us a hunger, Lord. Give us a thirst, Lord, for the Scripture, for the Word of God. But more importantly, give us a great desire to do the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus for helping us today. In Jesus' name.